following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Good morning. Again, let me welcome everyone to Coastal Community Church. Like Pastor Chris said, uh, my name is Ryan. I'm the youth pastor here at Coastal. And I have the privilege of wrapping up um, what I personally believe has been one of the more uh, relatable, kind of practical, really just appealing series that we've done in a long time here at Coastal. And uh, again, not that any of them haven't been useful. Of course, they're all great. But there's just something about the idea of kind of slowing down and simplifying our life that I feel like really does appeal uh, to everyone. And so today we're going to talk about something that um, I feel kind of does just wrap it all up into one, into one message. And so today we're going to talk about the idea of balance, living a balanced life. And so that's actually your first point there just to kind of give a little summary. Uh, a simple life is a balanced life. And, um, you know, balance is one of those crazy things in our life to where no matter how hard you strive for it, right, no matter how hard you focus on living a balanced life, uh, it's never going to come easy. Right, there's always going to be things going on, uh, different things throughout your life that make it tough uh, to live this balanced life um, that we want to live, that God calls us to live. And so as I began to think about this idea of balance, uh, one thing really stuck out to me. And um, it's those people, you know, you've probably seen them who do the like, crazy high, like, high wire walks, right? Uh, a couple years ago, it was 2013, um, Discovery Channel, uh, they did a, like, a live showing of this guy named Nick Walinda, right? And he actually walked across a 1,400-foot-long, uh, two-inch-thick uh, cable piece, or steel piece of cable, right? That was actually 1,500 feet above the Little Colorado River uh, in the Grand Canyon. It's basically, he was walking from one side of the Grand Canyon, a gorge in the Grand Canyon, to the other. Uh, I just remember it was, it was a crazy thing, because um, he had previously walked across one of the Niagara Falls, and they made him wear a harness. Um, but in this one, he was wearing no harness, uh, had no net below him, no support, nothing. He was just walking across this wire by himself. And so I remember uh, thinking it was, it was crazy that Discovery Channel would actually show this. I mean, what happens, what happens if he falls, you know? And, uh, but even weirder to me um, was I thought he would get on there and walk the wire. And when he did, he actually had this giant pole that he was carrying. And I thought that was weird at first. You know, why would he carry this giant pole? I looked it up and it said it was actually 43 pounds. Right, to me, that just seems like a, a bad idea to carry a big heavy weight while you're walking across a wire. Um, and so I really wanted to know what was going on with this pole. And so I did a little research on it. And uh, what I'm going to read right here is the word-for-word scientific answer um, on why Nick Walinda would carry this pole um, across the high wire. It says, the important insight is to think about the pole as a rotational system, uh, with the tightrope walker and his or her pole each rotating around the tightrope. The horizontal pole has heavy weights on the ends, serving two purposes, increasing the moment of inertia of the pole and the amount of control over the net torque the tightrope walker has. An increased moment of inertia helps withstand external sources of torque, such as a gust of wind. The heavy weights allow the tightrope walker to exert torque by simply rotating the pole slightly, uh, which moves his or her center of mass the other way, helping recenter him or herself directly over the tightrope. I know there's, there's a lot of big words, scientific principles going on there, uh, but two things really stuck out to me, right? I mean, why this, two things stuck out to me and why this guy would carry this giant pole um, across a highway, and really how that relates uh, to ourselves and our everyday um, search for a balanced life. Uh, first off, it says the pole gives the person an increased moment of inertia, which allows them to withstand external forces such as a gust of wind. Right, to me, that sounds like all of us every single day. Right, we go through life trying to maintain balance between everything from work to school, uh, kids, relationships, church, 
right? No matter what, we're hit with these sudden gusts of winds or unexpected life events that really just throw us off, right? And so this pole, uh, this tool um, is something that we can use to steady ourselves and and regain balance again in our lives. Um, And then there was the second statement. Uh, It says that the heavyweights allow the tightrope walker to exert torque by simply rotating the pole slightly, which moves his or her center of mass the other way, helping to then recenter him or herself directly over the tightrope. So now imagine having a tool in our lives where all we had to do was rotate it or simply uh, you know, use it for its design purpose. Use it as it was meant to be used and we could recenter ourselves right back on the path that we desire. Or better yet, how about the path that God desires for us? Right, and so what's crazy about this whole thing, this whole illustration is that we do actually have this tool. Right, God's provided both his son and his word to use as a tool to be able to recenter our lives and then either regain or, or just gain the balance that we desperately need in our lives. All right, so that's what we're going to dig into a little more today. You know, how can we use the word of God to regain balance in our lives? Right, we're going to look at what God says on why we need balance, uh, what areas of our life need to be balanced, and then how we can actually go about uh, achieving that balance. Um, so to do that, we're going to look at the story of Mary and Martha and Luke chapter 10. It's actually verses 38 through 42 if you want to find it for yourself. Um, so we're going to take a look at it. It's actually a pretty quick story. It's only about four verses, uh, which honestly in my mind makes the message really uh, just that much more powerful because it's so quick and concise. Um, but here we go. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. That's the whole story right there. That's the story of Mary and Martha. And so to really understand it, we really need to break it down. All right, so the first thing you have to understand about uh, these two sisters in this story is that Mary and Martha both loved Jesus. Right? They loved Jesus. They recognized him as the long-awaited Messiah, the true Son of God. Right? So imagine what they're feeling when Jesus Christ himself accepts a dinner invitation from them. Right? Or better yet, imagine how about when, when Mary thinks what she's thinking when Martha comes up to her, because the passage tells us that it was actually Martha who invited Jesus over. So imagine Mary and Martha are just out, hanging out, and, and uh, Martha comes up and says, so uh, Mary, I, I did a thing, and uh, I invited Jesus over to dinner, and he's going to be there in about 30 minutes. Right? And so you can just see the whole picture starting to play out, right? The, the two sisters, they haul home, you know, they start scurrying all around, trying to get everything ready. You know, and, and I imagine in my story that the house is completely a wreck because it's always a wreck when you need it not to be, right? And so you see, I see them kind of dividing up the jobs, right? Maybe Martha starts cleaning dishes and, and getting the food ready. Uh, Mary's sweeping the house and, and getting everything else kind of cleaned up. And then the next thing you know, Jesus shows up. Right? And, and in my head, I imagine this is one of the only times maybe in the history of humanity where a Christ follower is not excited to see Jesus. Right? Because they're not ready for him. Things are still a mess. The food's not ready, whatever it may be. But again, so maybe Martha throws the, the dishes into the cabinet, all the dish, dirty dishes uh, Mary 
throws all the, all the junk into that one closet that we all have where all the junk goes when you need to hide it from somebody, right? And then they meet at the door to welcome Jesus into their home, right? And so it's at this moment uh, that the story kind of takes a turn because the two sisters decide on very different paths for the rest of the evening. All right, so looking back at it, verse 39 says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. All right, and so again, in my story, uh, the picture I'm kind of lay out, Mary, for some reason, I imagine to be the younger sister, right? I don't know why. Uh, that's just how the story plays out in my head. Um, so Mary, as soon as Jesus walks in, you know, she drops everything. You know, you, know, just, you just know she's thinking the cleaning can wait, uh, the dishes can wait, the food can wait, everything can wait. Right now, I have to stop and listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ is literally in my home and what he's, what he's going to say, right? But verse 40 Keep going, it says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Right now, so just being honest in this room, how many Marthas do we probably have right now? Right, how many of us would be uh, so worried about all the little details, you know, that we would just miss the big picture? Right, I mean, you know, it's so easy, easy uh, to sit back and condemn Martha for what she's doing. Right, as we're reading the story, we can sit back and say, what are you doing, Martha? But I imagine that we'd all, be, most of us would be the exact same way. Right, we'd get so consumed with trying to impress Jesus and just make sure everything's perfect uh, that we would, you know, fail to realize that Jesus Christ is sitting in our living room. Right? I mean, how crazy is that? I feel like we do the same thing now. You know, when there's some clear signal in our lives, some clear thing that God's trying to make known, and we just pretend that we don't hear, see him, whatever it is. We do it all the time, right? But again, I feel like it's these actions, these things that happen with Martha that really make her the more relatable character in this story especially with what comes next. Uh, continuing verse 40, it says, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? She says, tell her to help me. I imagine that going over well, right? But there it is, right? There's possibly the most relatable moment of this entire story. I mean, really anyone who's ever had a sibling probably knows exactly how, how Martha's feeling, especially those like me, maybe you're the older sibling, Right, you know exactly what she's going through, which is, again, probably why I imagine Mary being the younger sister. I mean, I didn't fact check that or anything. It's just in my head, that's how it plays out. But you know, either way, you can just picture it. Right, Jesus arrives, Mary drops everything and just starts hanging out with Jesus. Right, but not Martha. Martha sees the job as unfinished. Right, she sees the dirty dishes. She sees the trash, the uncooked food, all this stuff sitting out, and she just can't handle it. Right, imagine she goes into almost like a super mom mode, you know, like those cartoons where the person's in the kitchen, but all you see is their body because their, their hands and the pots and the utensils, everything's just moving so fast. You know, she's just trying to get it all done. And, you know, I imagine she just, she's going and going and getting more and more frustrated. And then the final straw, right? She looks out, she's probably, you know, stirring something in a pot. She peeks around the living room wall and sees Mary just sitting there. Right, we all know what happens then, you know, like, her frustration level gets to like 150 out of 100, right? The volcano inside her just erupts and she storms into the living room. And just like every other sibling argument, you know, you don't try to work it out with your sibling. You go straight to mom, right? Right? You tell them, you talk to mom. So she interrupts Jesus and she addresses him directly. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Giving Jesus a command. That's, 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 pretty, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but what's really interesting to me about this, this whole situation 
is that the word that Luke Luke uses in describing Martha in this whole situation, he calls her distracted. The Greek word that he used literally means to be pulled about. How many people does that hit home for this morning? Right, you feel like you're just being pulled about. You know, throughout this whole series on the simple life, you're sitting there thinking, "I can't do any of this. You know, this is just this isn't feasible for me. This isn't possible for me. It's not going to fit into my life. I've just got too much going on." You're just like Martha in this story. You know, and so Jesus has the perfect answer both for Martha and for us. He says, "Martha, Martha." And just stopping right there, you know, we can all picture exactly how that first sentence went down, right? She stormed into the living room, starts yelling, and Jesus is sitting on the couch, you know, shaking his head and smiling. And he says, Martha, Martha, you, know, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And he's telling her, Martha, you've got so much going on, you're so distracted. You're being pulled about in so many different directions. You know, and then he hits her with something really good. He says, you were worried about so many things, right? Really things that just don't matter. There are only a few things that are necessary. And then he says, but really only one. Right, imagine that. In everything that we have going on in our lives, there's only one thing that's truly important. You know, in this story, Mary's chosen it. Right? Her decision to just stop and hang out with Jesus her decision to, to cultivate and grow and strengthen her relationship with Jesus Christ was the most important and really only necessary thing that she could have done in that moment. Right? And Christ tells them both. He says, you know, no matter what happens, right? no matter what Mary goes through, no matter what she goes through in her life, no matter what gets taken away from her, this can never be taken away. Right? This relationship between her and Christ, this is one thing that will not and cannot ever be taken away. I mean, how cool is that? No matter what happens, it can't be taken away. And so that's what we're all trying to get, right? This level of trust in and dependence on God, that's what we're trying to achieve. You know, we're, this is the only thing that truly matters. Um, but for most of us, you know, we're going to work our whole lives. We're going we're gonna to focus on this. You know, we're going we're gonna to get off the path. We're going to come back to it. We're going to try and focus on God being the center of our life. And we're never going to really achieve it. Not the level that we want to. Again, because this is real life. We're all sinners. We've all got a bunch of stuff going on, right? And I imagine most of our lives are probably a little different than that of Mary and Martha as well. You know, they don't talk about the story, but, you know, we have families, uh, kids, husbands, wives, friends, jobs, uh, school, responsibilities. We have all these things going on. And so what do we do? Right, we find balance, We come to a place where our daily lives, you know, everything that we have going on, everything that we value in our life, and we find the place where it fits into what God wants us to do and really what the Bible tells us to do. It's balance. A simple life is a balanced life. And so we're going to look at a couple of things. You know, first off, we're going to look at four areas of our lives where we need balance, right? And so for just a minute, I want you to kind of put aside the... uh, the pole illustration we were talking about earlier. We'll, we'll come back to it. But I want you to imagine these four areas of your life being like four tires on a car. Right, car's got four tires. You've got four areas of your life that we need to focus on. You know, for some of us, we probably have pretty good balance on uh, one or a couple of these four areas. Um, but then others of us, we may have a couple of tires that are just a little bit uh, deflated. All right, so what do we do? 
We focus on the tires that need some inflating. I mean, on a car, you can have three tires that are operating perfectly, right? They, they look good, they have good tread, they're, they're inflated to the proper amount, whatever it is. But what happens when you've got that one tire with the slow leak? Like, you know, as you're driving, it just starts to not feel right. The car leans a little bit one way or the other. You know, and then it gets lower and lower to the point your car is not even drivable anymore. Or better yet, what if you have three perfectly good tires and then one complete blowout? I mean, your car is not drivable from the very beginning. And it's the same way with your life. You know, you can be solid in many different areas of your life, but if you have that one or two or three that aren't balanced, you're not living your best life according to God's plan. And so again, what do we do? We inflate the low tires. We figure out which areas of our life need the most work, need the most focus, and again, we focus on them. And what's so awesome is earlier, I, talked about, I did talk about that tool you know, that God gives us to use, that balancing pole, which is essentially his word. In this, in this story, in this book that is the Bible, you know, he gives us the exact areas of our life that we need to work on. And what's even crazier is that Jesus had to actually grow in these same exact areas. Right, Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Four areas. And what better example of this balance do we need? Right, even Jesus Christ himself had to work and grow and balance these different areas of our life. And so let's, let's, let's talk about them. The first area of our life where we need balance is the physical. Right, the physical area of our life. We saw Jesus Christ do the same thing. Right, the Bible says that Jesus grew in stature. He physically grew. And so the physical aspect of our life, it concerns our actual body. It's getting the right uh, nutrition, getting the right foods, uh, getting the proper amount of rest and, and exercise. Right, all of these things make up a, a balanced life when it comes to the physical area of our life. And again, you know, it's kind of hard because it may not seem like the physical aspect of your life has too much to do with, you know, the spiritual or really any other area of your life. But it all goes back to that image of it being just one tire on your car. I mean, imagine, you know, maybe throughout your life, you, maybe you're always sick or maybe you've always got some kind of ache or, or pain going on. It's just, it's always bringing you down, right? Imagine how much that can affect your day-to-day -day life. Or taking it even further, I mean, ask, ask a family that is, that's dealt with cancer and a loved one. Ask them how much it can make a difference. I mean, or how about some horrible terminal disease in a child? Ask that family how much of a difference it makes on every other area of their life. Right, and so that's the first area of your life that needs to be focused on, that needs to be balanced, is the physical. Right, and then Luke 2.52 tells us the second area is the mental. Right, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew mentally. You know, the mental aspect of your life controls so many different things. Uh, it's your emotions, uh, your thoughts, your ideas, your words, your dreams, even your obedience to God. And so many of us know that if you are off just a little bit mentally, right, it can easily throw every area of your life off balance. And what's really tough about this area specifically is that it's not one that's always easily fixed. You know, sometimes it takes getting external help to really get back on track. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, like I said earlier, God provides the tool. He provides this balancing pole that we need to recenter our thoughts and our emotions and our, our obedience to God. Right? It's, it's his word and a relationship with him. 
He provides it all, we just have to use it. Right, and so now we've got the physical aspect, um, we've got the mental. The third area that we have to balance is the relational, right? It's our relationships. That verse in Luke told us that Jesus grew in favor with man. He grew relationally. And for me, this is perhaps the most relatable uh, aspect of our balanced lives. You know, we have to focus and balance the relationships that make up our life, you know, make us who we are. Right? It's a balance between our spouse, our significant other, uh, our kids, our friends, coworkers, church, community, all of it. All of these different relationships make up such a huge part of who we are and really even reflect uh, the places God has put us in order to make a difference. Right? And so, it's, and again, it's important to find a good balance between all of these different relationships because, again, it can affect so many different areas of our life. It can have such a big impact that it even affects um, not just us, but the people around us. Right, just, just think about it. Like, you know, we're able to see the effects of an unhealthy marriage on the kids in that family. Or how about a kid who ha- doesn't have that parental relationship and how it affects um, the relationship, every other relationship that they're going to have for the rest of their life. Right, it's all just the same thing. How about a horrible work environment and how it can just seep into your home life and affect those relationships? Or how about this one? How about the lack of relationships uh, within a community of, of fellow believers? You know, the ones that are there to build you up and help get you through the storms of life. Right? These are all vital relationships, and they have to be balanced if we're to keep our car driving straight. And so now we've got, we've got the relational aspect. We've got uh, the mental and the physical And finally, Luke says that Jesus grew in favor with God. He grew in the spiritual aspect of his life. Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, grew spiritually. You know, now, the spiritual aspect is simply put uh, as our faith. You know, it's our trusting and obeying God and his call on our life. Um, But it goes beyond that. You know, it's truly knowing Christ having a relationship with him and experiencing his love and his call on our lives. But it goes even beyond that. You know, it's, it's us, us knowing God, but then taking that love and that relationship and spreading it for the whole world to see. All right, but this really is important right here because what you have to understand about the spiritual area of your life, you know, is that while it is one of the tires on your car, it's so much more important than that, right? It's the very air in all of your tires, Right? Without this area of our life, there's no possible way that any tire can be uh, balanced correctly. Right? And it, it, it's, like I said, it's the air in that tire. It's the thing that keeps all other areas of our life moving like they should be. But, and then even more so, the balance in this area is different than the, kind of the other categories that we've been talking about. You know, it, it is a balance between certain things in the category, like uh, you know, we have to balance the time between trusting God Uh, obeying him, spending time with him, telling others about him. But really the important part is keeping it in balance in relation to those other three areas of our lives. Like I said, it's it's the air in your tires. It's it's the thing that affects all other areas of your life. Without it, we're not going anywhere. Too many times I feel like our spiritual life comes secondary to all the other aspects of our life. So in order to truly balance that and, and get the results that results uh, in God's version of the simple life. We have to intentionally raise our focus and our effort 
on growing in the spiritual elements of our life. Right? And so, so now we've got, we got all four. We've got all four areas of our lives that need to be balanced. We know that Jesus Christ himself worked on these same four areas. Um, so now the question becomes, how do I make this happen? Right? How do I actually implement this balanced life into my own? Right? And, and truthfully, this is the hard part. Right? It's, it's easy to know what, what you need to maybe work on or see the different areas of your life that need to be worked on. The hard part is actually doing it. And uh, you know, even though there are uh, multiple areas of our life that I feel like are really going to limit our ability to maintain this, this balanced life, I feel like there's one that kind of sticks out. I feel like there's really one thing that kind of we always use as an excuse or really does dictate um, you know, everything that we attempt, uh, try, fail, succeed at, whatever it is. There's always one limiting factor, and it seems to be time, or really our perception of time. Right? Uh, in his book, The Divine Mentor, Wayne Cordero puts it like this. He says, time will not wait. It cannot be borrowed. You cannot buy time. It ruthlessly hastens by without afterthought. We can either find the most priority investments or we can squander our resources. Right? Time will confiscate every minute we leave idle. And so what we have to realize is that this balanced life will not just come to us over time. Right? It's something that God calls us to make a priority, to work on every single day. Right? Because not only does it affect us specifically, uh, but it affects all the people that God's put into our life. Right? All the people that he's put into our life for the purpose of sharing the message of his love with them. Right? It's that important. It's that important. And so really quickly, uh, I just want to give you, um, now that we know the four areas of our life, I want to give you four practical, sequential steps uh, for implementing a balanced life. So the first step, the first step is to evaluate. Evaluate where you are in your own life. Now, take it back to the car illustration. See which of your tires is a little bit lower than the others. Just, Just as Mary, or I'm sorry, just as Martha couldn't see her own issues, because she was so focused on what Mary was doing, you know, take a step back. Take a step back and see what areas you're maybe coming up short in, uh, what areas you're succeeding at, what areas can use work and focus in your own life and, and really do make them a priority. Which leads us into our next step. The second step is to prioritize. Right? Once you've evaluated all the different areas of your life, determine what actually does need work and make it a priority. Right, if you're lacking in the physical, make it a priority to go on a walk each day. Make it a priority to take the stairs instead of the elevator to work. You know, how about this? Go to bed before midnight. That's a crazy idea, right? I mean, if you're lacking in the mental area of your life, take some time to focus on your own personal struggles. You know, whether that's emotions, uh, the things that run through your heads or the words that come out of your mouth. Right? Think positive and focus on the fact that God created you uh, with love and for a specific purpose. And then remember past that, Jesus himself had to grow in the same area. Jesus himself had to grow mentally. Right? And then past that, if you're struggling relationally, make that a priority. Right? Get a babysitter and go on a date night with your spouse. Right? Uh, maybe shorten your to-do list over the weekend and have some quality family time. Right? How about set up a time with some friends to grab coffee or dinner and just talk about life? Right? Or maybe even commit... Uh, to being involved, more involved here at Coastal, where we have small groups. We focus so hard on small groups 
that are literally built-in relationship builders. It's a place where automatically there's a people that are, want to be in a relationship with you and, and help walk you through all the struggles that we face every single day. Right? And then finally, we all need to make our spiritual life a priority. No matter where you are, you can always make it more of a priority. By right? setting aside time to read God's word, talk to him in prayer, you know, just listen. Right? It's all so important for a balanced life. And I honestly think this, uh, this prioritizing step would have been the next step for Martha. Right? Jesus straight up called her out in the story. He brought about uh, an impromptu, involuntary evaluation of her own life. Because that's how important it is. Right? He knew that her next step. He knew what it needed to be. Right? And just like her, we have to prioritize our plan. Because, listen to this, the more specific you are about this plan, you know, the more intentional you are about growing in certain areas of your life, the more likely you are to get there. Right? And so maybe, maybe some of you are, are past the evaluate and, and the prioritize step. You know, you know what you need to work on. So your next step, uh, the third step for implementing a balanced life is to personalize. Make it personal. Right? Honestly, for some of this could be the easiest, and for others, this could be the hardest step. And what we have to do is we have to realize that although God calls all of us according, to live a life according to his plan, his plan for all of us are different, right? We all have different plans according to God. Uh, all of our lives will be different. And so you can't just assume, right? You can't just assume that because someone else is working um, on a specific area or going about it a certain way. You can't assume that that's going to work for you. Right? You have to figure out uh, what specific practical step works best for you and where you are in your life, right? And the most important part about all this, and saying all that, the most important part is figuring out how we can fit this into the life that God has called us to live, right? Because what I feel like we do a lot of the time is we try to fit God's plan into ours, right? We try to fit his plan into our lives. Everything he wants us to do it has to fit into our schedule or it doesn't happen, right? But we have to flip that around. We have to make it a priority. We have to make it a purposeful uh, attempt to adjust our lives to his plans, right? And, and so after we did that, you know, we've, we've evaluated, we've prioritized, we've made it personal. Now we just have to live it out. And we do that through a commitment to discipline, Right through making a commitment to discipline. Sticking with this, this balanced life is one of the hardest things we can ever do. God never said it was going to be easy. But in order to truly set yourself apart, in order to live the balanced life that will resort and, and you gaining more than you ever thought you could or, or making more of a difference than you ever dreamed you could, it first starts with discipline, a commitment to discipline. Right? Staying true to what you have to do in order to balance your life. And so I challenge you in that. Right? I challenge you, don't just hear this message, uh, you know, yeah, say, hey, that makes sense, you know, get kind of fired up to make a change this week, and then a week later, it's basically another failed New Year's resolution or something like that. You know, take it to heart. Again, it's the hardest thing to do, but it can make the biggest difference in this world. Living the life God has planned for you and then allowing yourself to be used by God to bring more people to him. Right? And, and that's really the thing uh, with this whole balanced life. What you have to realize is that we're all 
in very different places. Right? Just like all of our lives are different, we're all in different spots on this, really this timeline that is our balanced life. We're all at a different step. And so maybe today, uh, your, your step is to just evaluate and see where you are. Maybe your step today is to prioritize certain things that you know you can work on. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's just to make this challenge God's put in front of you, like to make it personal. Maybe for some of you, it's just to man or woman up and commit to the discipline that it will take to make this happen. Maybe there's, maybe there's others of you that, you know, you've heard this whole message, uh, this whole series, really, and you've thought, nope, you know, that's, that's just not for me. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Whatever it is, you know, that's, that's the best part. No matter where you are, right, God is right there with you. Whether you're living the life that he wants you to live or rejecting it in every single way, right? The Bible tells us that he will be there right there with us. He will endure both the highs and the lows of our life right there, right? And he loves us so much that he's provided that balancing pole for our life, right? A tool that we can use at any time to recenter our lives, right? That's how much our God loves us. That's the God that, that we love back. It's the God that we serve. That's the same God that was sitting there on the couch with Mary and Martha, right? Teaching not only them, but the rest of humanity uh, what really is important. And it's a life built around a relationship with him at the center. One final illustration. Uh, taking it back to the idea of the wheels, uh, imagine we've got an older car. Or uh, how about even a bicycle? Everybody knows bicycles have the, um, the wheels with kind of the center hub and then all the spokes coming off of it. Right? And all these spokes are important to keeping the uh, integrity of the wheel kind of sound. Basically, all these spokes are the different areas of our life. Right? They're all important in keeping our life together, keeping our life on track. But what about this? Imagine if something happens to the center of our wheel. Right? Imagine if something happens to that center hub. Everything else is rendered basically com completely useless. And that's our life. Right? God wants to be the center of your wheel. He wants to hold everything else together even when you can't. You know, when there's some strong winds that come to throw us off track, you know, some unexpected life events that we just can't handle, he wants to be there to hold it all together. I can see this. God doesn't want to be first in your life. He wants to be the center of your life. Right, so that's what we have to do. We have to commit to making him the center. We have to make a commitment to base all of other aspects of our life on him. You know, you have to let him keep you straight on the tightrope. Let him fill your, fill your tires with air. Uh, let him be the hub in your ear. Whatever illustration you want to use, put him at the center. Right? Allow his immense power and love to guide your life and just see what happens. Because that's the thing. He loves us so much. Like He so desperately wants to be the center of your wheel, the air in your tires, your balancing pole, whatever it is. He wants to be that so much that he sent his one and only son down to earth to die on the cross for our sins. Like, who else do you know that loves you that much? Right? That's, that's the whole gospel message wrapped up. He loves you so much. He wants to be the center of your life so much that he was willing to sacrifice it all for each and every one of us, to pay the price for our sins. And so that's where we are now. The challenge is, to, is just to make the commitment. Even if you're here today, you know, and you have, you're completely rejecting this. You know, you're like, I think this is stupid. This just isn't for me. I got drug here this morning. I don't want to hear this. 
My challenge for you is just, I mean, just try it. Even for just a little bit, see, base, base your life off God. Just put him in the center for just a little bit and see what he ha- uh, does in your life. See the changes that he makes and how your life maybe becomes uh, just a little more balanced. You've been listening to a message from Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.